0: Hello, and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make, and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises, and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 30th of October. This week, I've been adding lots of new content to the chapter on enablers for the next edition of my circular economy handbook, including for biomimicry, artificial intelligence and blockchain. It's amazing how fast technology is developing. Some of the things I'm including seemed very futuristic back in 2016. In today's episode, I'm talking to David Greenfield about tech take back a partnership he set up to collect end of use consumer technology and get it back into the loop. David is the managing director of Sonex, the independent environmental research and innovation practice he set up in 2014, after 15 years in leadership roles in local and regional government. Sonex provides strategic advice and support to the public and private sectors, and specialises in the creation and support of innovation in circular economy, resource and waste management. David supports the Circular Economy Club, with several roles as a mentor, as the organiser of Circular Economy Club London, and co-organiser with my colleague Peter Desmond of Circular Brighton & Hove. Tech Takeback is a partnership between Sonex, Freegal, Erase My Data and Brighton and & Hove City Council, to collect stranded resources through pop-up shops. It helps people to declutter and dispose of their technology products safely. Even better, you can give your old tech a second life and help other people to buy it. You might not know that an iPhone contains 14 precious metals as well as a history of your life. The data you store on these items, including photos, videos, contacts, texts, emails, passwords, account details and credit card data is precious to you and equally valuable to a criminal. Every day we're reminded about the risks to our personal information and the threat of identity fraud and data theft. Take, Take Back provides a government compliant data wiping service and they sort the equipment and arrange for secure refurbishment, reuse or recycling. The overall aim is to make sure the resources and materials used in creating your tech are reused, not destroyed. If you want to know more about how data is stored on your devices and the importance of secure data erasure, have a look at the FAQ page on the Tech Take Back website. The links are in the show notes. Many of us who are excited about the circular economy can talk about it all day. So I've saved some of David's circular economy examples to include in the next Best Bits episode, number 20, due out in December. Now let's hear from David.
1: For whatever reason, I left my previous role, set up Sonex, which is actually my day job, which academically is a acronym, uh, Social, Environmental and Economic Solutions, which is of course the definition of sustainable development. And while I was at Sonex, I uh, met Kat Fletcher from Freegal. We got on really well. And we started exploring this about waste electricals and going, there's nothing for residents. And by that time, my colleague, uh, the data erasure specialist, had also left the company. We decided, actually, what if we were to just do a pop-up and see whether people wanted it? So one January wet. Sunday uh, we'd done a bit of press and through Freegal got people interested we did a pop-up in the back of a cafe and said to people bring your old tech Uh, we'll data erase it for you we'll um, triage it see if it's got the opportunity for a second life Um, and if it has got a second life we'll give it to a local charity and we collected a quarter of a ton of tech in one Sunday um, in the back of a cafe. And there was so much uh, joy. And I'd say this, this sounds a bit odd, um, but there, there were people coming in. There was one particular person who I remember so well. Chap came in with 14 hard drives that he'd been storing at home for, for about 20 years. And he said, I've been waiting for something that I could trust to take my data. I don't want to take it to the tip because you don't know what happens to it. Mm. It, it, it might get lost. It might get stolen. Um, and actually, we know that if it goes to the household waste site, I should formally say that's what household waste sites. Um, it will probably just get recycled, which is great. But actually, recycling of old tech normally means shredding it. Um, and then just getting metals out so you lose a whole range of different materials so it became a really really powerful um, thing actually people really enjoyed it Um, and then we we, I think we got about 50 quid out of the council to run that one event because Kat had managed to find some funding somewhere There then later that year there was a application for councils to apply for funding from the we fund I saw that still in the IT sector space um, and wrote a bid as if I was the council and then presented it to my local council said if you submit this we might be able to get some money and run some pop-ups they went okay what do we have to do I said you need to fill in that bit that bit and that bit and sign it and send it I okay Uh, so they did and we won the money and we got a grant to run five pop-up shops between end of 2017 and the beginning of 2019 um, at various locations around Brighton and Hove, I've just been doing the stats, I'll talk about the next one in a minute, but we we had over a thousand people come into those five pop-up shops across 22 days collected 8.91 tonnes of old tech. Um, I can, you'll probably subsequently find them a bit of a data nerd, which is what my PhD was on. So we had uh, 4,768 uh, 4, items, 915 smartphones and mobile phones, 566 laptops, 276 PCs, Uh, 347 individual hard drives that people had bought in, which is just surprising, Um, and 433 boxes of cables. They were the big ticket items. We also had a chocolate machine. Somebody defined tech as a chocolate machine. Somebody came down with a chainsaw. Uh, Bearing in mind, this is about data arrays. You're going, okay, Uh, but fundamentally we we really caught the imagination of uh the public and and the press um we ran five pop-ups and we we're on the bbc three times and itv once so from that perspective it's been a really interesting journey and um fundamentally it's about trying to value the materials that are in the it and capturing them and avoiding them going to lab or uh, avoiding them um languishing in somebody's drawer for a decade and then they go oh could have got rid of that and could have given it a second life
0: Mm. so what what happens you talked about refurbishing some of the stuff in the early days for these pop-ups in brighton does it all go off to second markets or you know is there a level of repair refurbishment what happens what happens once it's dropped
1: off so once it's dropped off, fundamentally, we're working under GDPR and Data Protection Act. So the first thing we have to do is identify whether or not there's any data in there. Um, and that means a very, very thorough auditing of every single bit of tech that comes in. So to give you an idea, we had we had one, one couple in with come into the pop-up shop with three suitcases um, of old tech that included old laptops, old mobile phones, two PCs, um, and a whole load of other paraphernalia, including cables and everything like that. Now, because we are treating this as a data erasure process, fundamentally, we had to go through all of that, uh, check that there weren't any USB sticks in any of the computers, check there weren't Tiny little memory sticks here, there, and everywhere. Make sure there wasn't any CDs in the drawers of the computers. Um, Check through all the cables that there wasn't a USB stick that was just floating around. So you do that with all of that tech, and then every single device that has data on it gets its own unique barcode, and then that's uh, linked directly to the person that's brought the tech in. So we ask everybody to come in. They have to give their name, their address. Uh, They have to sign a a waiver that they've taken all the data off and another one to say that they're happy for us to data erase it. Uh, And then we have a very, very robust audit trail. Um, Once we've done that, the data will then get uh, erased using the government-approved software that we have. And it's a software package because it means the hard drive doesn't get damaged. Therefore, we can give it a second life. Uh, Once that's been done, we then do uh, a triage to determine whether or not that tech has got any hope at all of becoming useful. So we do that triage, and then we look at how we can actually give those computers, those bits of tech, a second life. Uh, Some of it can't be given a second life. And we work with a a partner called Restore Technology, um, and they take a lot of the mobile phones because they're probably the most pernickety to to manage um, and give them, put them through their very industrial process of refurbishment, which does mean that some of them end up um, on the resale market to cover some of their costs. But um, we've given so far um, quite a lot of tech to a number of local charities in the Brighton Hove area, um, the Green Centre. We've made some of the tech has been dismantled and made into awards. So the National Tech for Good Awards ended up with some of our printed circuit boards. Um, it's been at Brighton Pride and all sorts of things. So we're currently working to determine whether or not we can put in a more, put in place a more comprehensive disassembly process, so that we can start taking out some of the rare earths as printed circuit boards. Um, and giving them a a recycled opportunity. Um, And what we found actually from a social perspective is that we've had a number of volunteers and all of them actually, and um, a couple of long-term unemployed guys came down who'd worked in the sector before. And they found it really therapeutic to sit there for three hours, just unscrewing screws that are in PCs and laptops to disassemble these bits of kit. Um, So we're exploring that at the moment as a social, for good, disassembly project as well. Mm, I could endanger the the timescales of this by a long, long way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've kind of got lots of sub-initiatives going in different directions and collaborations with, um, you know, charities and and, uh, this organisation Restore and that kind of thing. So does it feel as if you've kind of developed a, a kind of ecosystem of partners around tech, 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 take back?
1: Um, to a certain extent. Yes. So in the Brighton area, most definitely. Um, I think one of the challenges is that um, it needs a lot of resource to actually run a pop-up shop and also to then subsequently disassemble it. So um, it's, saying it's, it's, it's not it's public knowledge so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the grant that we got from the city council, uh, sorry, not from the city council, with the city council, it was actually a national grant from Defra. Um, we spent m- virtually half of it on the first pop-up shop that we ran uh, <laughs> because we went for too long. we put too many staff in uh, and we had too many costs that we hadn't anticipated. Then we're going, oh, right, okay. So we've completely blown the budget and we've only done one pop-up. So we really reined in and learned lessons from that one. Um, and you mentioned initiatives. The first two we did, we did using meantime lease um with uh, the city council. They had a they had a, a a shop on their high street, which was in between planning. Uh, Didn't have any heating, which was a real problem in November and February, uh, particularly as Kat ended up getting pneumonia. Um, But um, it was a brilliant space and um, it just allowed us to maximise the amount of time that we put into the the project. And I think that's where, for me, Tech Tech Back is very much around trying to utilise a lot of circular economy concepts all within one particular entity
0: mm. and have you found since you've been doing this so i guess it's um coming up to two years now since you started it so you've learned learned those lessons about um resourcing and and um you know how to run it efficiently but are you yeah. finding that there are more ways to earn revenue from uh, resale options and from recycling certain bits is that starting to look more optimistic now
1: um it's a really challenging one to answer that um yes for example if everybody was to bring us cables then we'd have quite a it wouldn't ever be lucrative but it would probably wash its face in terms of a a, a, a project Um, some of the tech that we get through is really nice and could be sold to cover some of the costs Um, what we set ourselves out at right at the beginning was that we didn't want to sell anything because uh, we wanted to give away the stuff that could help somebody else So um, we've we've got hundreds of Nokias, the old Nokias come through, which have got really really good battery lives, aren't smartphones, and they work really, really well for uh, the homeless charities in Brighton and Hove because they give them out to the homeless people. So they've got maybe four or five days worth of battery life um, and they can be kept in contact all the time, which is quite a necessity. Uh, Those sorts of phones normally just get completely recycled because nobody wants them. Mm. Um, and for us, I think that's one of the social elements of this. So we're starting to, and we're actually running our sixth pop up shop, but it's the first one outside Brighton and Hove. So we're actually running it in the square mile city of London. Um, and we're asking the, the local authorities to fund the cost of our time and running the pop up. Um, so, yes. We are. This one's going to be for residents of the Square Mile, which in, there aren't that many residents, um, or for any of the workers that work in the Square Mile businesses to bring any of their tech from home and get it data raised. I have got no idea how many people are going to turn up to the um, Saint Michael Pastonosa Church in um, the City of London on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It could be five. It could be five thousand. <laughs> um so yes uh, it, that's going to be an interesting one what i'm hoping given the um the location we might end up with some really good tech that we can use for a second life for a lot of local charities
0: mm, sounds good but, right? yeah um fingers crossed that goes well and you, and you get just the right number of uh, of customers every day yeah <laughs> instead of, uh, a feast feast of famine so um so we've talked a little bit about plans for the next phase of of take tech take back yeah. is there anything else that you want to say on that in terms of how you're planning to take it forward or do you are you kind of waiting to see how the london one goes to see if you can scale it out to other regions
1: yeah it's definitely something that we've always talked about and um mentioned the partners in tech take back so it was created by myself cat fletcher and andy burden and uh, andy runs his own uh I uh, raise my data company, Katz, director of Freegal and head of media. And I of course run Sonex. And through Freegal in particular, there's been a real, um, a lot of people that really like the concept of tech take back. A lot of people say, oh, can we run a tech take back? And we have to go, well, you can, but you have to do it under this, 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 is this, this rule. And you have to be able to do that and they go, I thought we'd just put a table up in a church hall and ask people to bring the tech in. And I think that's the key thing that we've learned, that this is very much, we have to look at it from, absolutely, this is about circular economy and giving stuff a second life. Fundamentally, it's about data security. Mm. Data security followed by a second life. And um, as much as everybody who loves it from the concept of uh, giving things a second life or disassembling them or refurbishing them, um, many people are far more worried about data security than that. So we have to be very, very concerned about data security and we have to run the whole of the pop-up shop in a very secure way. Mm. Finding the right location, making sure we've got very secure storage during the day. We separate data-bearing stuff from non-data-bearing stuff. And I, my, my ambition for Tech Take back is to um, ensure that we keep it going, but keep it going sustainably, so that it can offer um, all sorts of opportunities. Now, one of the things we've been talking about for a while, and um, I suppose one of the advantages of having a chat on a podcast like this is that you never know who might be listening. Um, (laughs) One of of the things I've been trying to do for the last six months is find somebody that either wants to sell me um, or give me an old uh, local authority mobile library. Because if we had something of that elk, we could actually then literally pop up in little small villages and towns, rather than having to find a secure shop, or in the case of next week's, we're um, we're using a meeting room within uh, a 16th century church. Lovely, lovely venue, very nice. Um, but it just makes it less flexible. Mm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Anybody got any mobile libraries they don't want? Get in touch.
0: Oh, I'm sure. M- I'm sure there must be some because libraries are uh closing down all over the all over the yeah. uk aren't they so that must must affect some of the mobile ones as well
1: oh very much, they very much they have i've seen a few but i just haven't had the uh the cash to buy them yeah. as yet <laughs>
0: have you have you thought about integrating it with something like a repair cafe or a sort yeah. of i fix it thing so that people just bring bring stuff that's not working and then you can either decide, you know, help them repair it or decide that it needs to go into a recycling, uh, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: it's an interesting one. So Martin Charter um, and I know each other well. Um, we've been discussing this for a while. And I've also been um, discussing it with Hugo from the Restart Project as well. One of the things we've concluded so far is that... There is a blurring between what we're doing and um, repair. Now, absolutely, I want people to repair stuff, and let's do that. The problem we've got is most of the stuff that we get through, people are wanting to get rid of because they're worried about the data that's on it. Um, And I haven't found anywhere big enough that would allow us to do both at the same time mm. because I, I think at our busiest point in the last shop we had 10 families queuing to um, sign up and it took us I think we, we had the shop open from 10 till four thirty. we were there at seven o'clock still just going through and checking in all the tech from that day Um and that was with five staff. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very, very resource intensive. Um, and actually, there hasn't been as yet, there hasn't been the space in the, the staff or the, uh, the location to be able to have a completely separate activity going on, because it is completely separate. It might be repair of old tech. Um, but it's a completely completely different solution so we've definitely definitely considered this and we will consider it and we will do it at some point in the future we just got to find the right alignment I think of space and um, physical space um, and making sure in the public's mind that they're clear on what they're coming for mm, yeah. because we do get quite a few people coming in and go oh can you take this data off for us and give us back the tech? And we go, no. And go, oh, <laughs> um, and if we were to introduce, oh, by the way, you can come and get it repaired. Um, then, then we go, oh, maybe I'll repair it. Then what do I do it there? So it just is much cleaner at the moment to keep it as a tech take back that people come and donate their unwanted tech to. Mm. In the secure knowledge, that any data they have on there is going to be erased and that actually, um, if it's reusable, we can give it a second life with a worthy cause.
0: Yeah. I think certainly, I mean, I, I've got um at least two hard drives um stuffed in a in a drawer downstairs that, you know, I daren't give away to um anywhere because I'm I'm not convinced it would probably get wiped. So yeah. um yeah, every, every every other bit of the old laptop went off to recycling but not not the hard drive
1: well that that's the thing and it's a really interesting one that a lot of people who know what they're talking about actually do the wrong thing for the tech but the right thing for the data Mm. um and that was one of the things that i learned when i first got involved in the the company in in the center of london was that all of the data erasure was done with the hard drives in situ so that you actually avoided taking the uh, computer apart, and there's government certification and government um data wiping standards and erasure standards, which I won't bore anybody with um, suffice to say that they are uh sufficient for different types of um, uh, data mm. uh, the, the 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 data that we're getting through on people's computers. Um, Essentially, you erase the whole of the operating system and everything subsequently on it. Um, If you do a factory reset on most computers, what you're actually doing is deleting the chapter structure um, if you were to consider that as a book. Um, So getting rid of the operating system completely clears everything. You then have to put a new operating system in, but you've got a completely clean computer there Um, if you just if you just do a factory reset in many cases a data investigator could quite easily get that data Mm, yeah that's interesting
0: I shall store that away for next time I (laughs) have an expired (laughs) laptop which might be quite a while because you know my um, circular economy lens if you like or or, you know with my circular economy hat on plus my Yorkshire jeans um, yeah stuff has to last for an awful long time (laughs) So in, Very in, ter- good in, in terms of circular economy business examples, when you're talking to people at circular economy club do's or introducing people to the concept, um, what example do you like to use to, to explain it in simple terms or, or what's your favorite example?
1: Um, so I've, I've done quite a lot of stuff in London. So um, People might know that I'm, I am I run the Circular Economy Club in London. I also run the Circular Economy Club in Brighton, albeit it's called the Circular Brighton Hove. And I'm also a mentor for the Circular Economy Club and uh, their European External Affairs spokesperson. So I spend quite a lot of time talking circular economy. Um, and there's far too many good solutions out there. I think some of the ones which have really got me thinking that I use quite a lot are, um, well, there's one in particular, one which is just on some hands is completely crazy, uh, on the other is entirely inspired. Um, And you mentioned biomimicry already, so it's in the biomimicry space. Uh, A company called Biome um, are utilizing mycelium, for two factors, one um, to actually create uh, house insulation that's non-toxic and um, natural and can be grown. Um, And then they're also recipients of the um, uh, Waitrose um, award that was announced earlier in the year. Um, And they are using mycelium to explore whether or not it can eradicate plastic film by essentially eating it
0: right yeah i think i might have heard something about that yeah Yeah. a kind of a a naturally occurring bacteria that can digest petrochemical based plastics yeah
1: that that for me is very much looking at circular economy from the perspective of okay how can we reinvent through design things that we take for granted and Mm. house insulation is something i've been looking at as a regional level on climate change and insulating housing for 15 20 years Um, and we've been completely reliant on fossil fuel based Mm. insulation or if you're very lucky maybe a bit of sheep's wool or some shredded paper or there's some alternatives Um, but actually taking on the uh, insulation world of uh, panels of insulation that slot into a building really easily uh, for me that is a real challenge and something that um, is really quite exciting and demonstrates the circular economy concept of designing out waste mm. but designing out uh, unnatural materials as well
0: yeah so David how can people get in touch with you
1: find Um, out more about what you're doing (laughs) uh the best way um is uh, more than happy for people to email me albeit that uh, my email boxes and i say boxes because i've got currently six at the moment um do sometimes get uh chock-a-block but uh um, on social media i am at dr resources which is dr resources uh so please Feel free to follow, tag, question, do whatever you like on there. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn um, and Instagram. Um, but yeah, all my details are either on the, the Sonex website, which is uk, or if you're very interested in the Circular Economy Club, um, have a look. My details are on the circular economyclub.com.
0: Brilliant. And we should remind people that Circular Economy Club is worldwide and free to join. It's a non-profit. So if, if you're not already linked up with the Circular Economy Club then, um, and you want to, want to know more, then it's a great place to find out what's, what's going on in terms of and, events and in your area and, uh, yeah. and connect with other people. Brilliant. Thank you. And um, yeah, encourage people to get involved in, in the events near there cities and regions and try and push the circular economy forward so david yeah. thank you very much that was a, a very interesting and insightful interview not just on tech take back but all those other uh, brilliant examples that you've been involved in yeah perhaps we can do a, a second roundup and showcase some of the the other brilliant examples thank you very much thank you <laughs> If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info or send us a tweet at rethink underscore global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.